Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert, Saturday Supercade episode. You guys remember Saturday Supercade? Probably not. Uh, I think I was six years old. Uh, it was a cartoon, short-lived. <laughs> but uh, they had Donkey Kong, Frogger, Cubert, Pitfall. Uh, all those games you used to see when you go to the arcade when you were a kid, for those of you that are old enough to remember the arcade. Uh, there's still arcades out there. Uh, but anyway, I remember the theme song and all that was one of my favorite cartoons. And here I am on a Saturday morning talking to you guys about the Gamecocks. Thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring the first part of this show, the news and notes segment. Not a lot of news out there, I would guess. Uh, but sometimes I think that, and then we get into it, and here away we go. Gamecock baseball, boy. <laughs> Interesting ball game early. Gamecocks get a triple play. Haven't seen one of those in a long, long time, right? And uh, then uh, out in Aggieland, it got away from them 16 to 4. Uh, ugly, ugly game, especially with the game you need. You regroup, you see what happens, uh, but certainly off to an ominous start. Uh, in a very key series uh, for South Carolina against Texas A&M, as far as their NCAA tournament hopes go. Uh, with every loss, it looks worse. <clears throat> and so we'll see what's, what happens here moving forward with the baseball team. But uh, a, a great moment followed by a not-so-great moment. And that's kind of the story. It's micro, a microcosm of the season so far, right? You get a triple play, this historic thing, and then boom, here we go. <laughs> Just has not been a good year uh, as far as the ups and downs go and the, the pitching situation and the batting situation. I mean, it's just, I don't know, very inconsistent. It seems like this team, you know, every time they, they start to kind of turn a corner, something else happens. And you know, It's been that way in a lot of sports around here lately. And so I, I definitely understand the frustration. Women's basketball being the exception. Uh, 
I think maybe with football, with the recruiting that's been done, the new players coming in, there's some excitement that uh, it's not as inconsistent next season. But uh, that was an, a, you know, you, there's no other way to put it. That was an inconsistent football team uh, last year. Um, some of the games didn't make a whole lot of sense when you look at some of the other games. But, uh, you know, I, I think that sport, you know, because you follow it 365 days a year with uh, recruiting and all that, there's reason for optimism. Um, you know, whereas men's basketball and baseball, I think it's, you know, baseball's not in a transition period right now, uh, but it certainly could be very, very soon. Speaking of football recruiting, we have a Mother's Day commitment coming up. Gamecocks uh, have some crystal ball uh, picks in. Uh, three-star, high three-star safety commit, Zabari Sandy uh, from Washington, D.C. Uh, St. John's, I believe, is where he goes, St. John's College. That's a, uh, that's a big uh, program up there. They put out players uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, and the DMV, based on a lot of my discussions uh, with people in and around the program, that, that's sort of – and DMV, for those of you that don't know, that's Northern Virginia, Maryland, D.C., you know, that kind of D.C. metro area, uh, all the way up to Baltimore, Annapolis, all that. There's good football in that region, uh, and the Gamecocks have, have tried to attack it pretty hard. You know, I, I think, you know, when you look at Sandy, uh, he'd be the first out of uh, D.C. proper inside the district that the Gamecocks have gotten. Uh, he's a big, hard-hitting safety, 6'1", 204 pounds, uh, could move to linebacker. Um, but from what the scouting report says, that's a lean 204. So maybe he's a 215 pound safety, which would be great. Uh, Gamecocks need all the help they can get at that position, as we've documented here. Uh, again, they're the crystal ball favorite. Ole Miss, Tennessee, West Virginia, Maryland uh, are the other schools in the mix. Uh, for Zabari Sandy uh, out of DC. Pete Limbo got in on him. Tori and Gray's recruiting him as well. Uh, so the Gamecocks. You know, is that one of the silence? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So uh, it could be the first public commit of the 2023 recruiting class. And so then you'd be waiting on two to go public. Uh, but uh, he said a while back he was going to announce on Mother's Day. Uh, and so that's what's going to happen uh, there uh, tomorrow. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's really the hard news. The, the basketball team lost and. I'm sorry, the baseball team lost badly. Uh, and then, you know, you had uh, you have the Sandy commitment coming down. May is usually not a, a huge news month. I mean, you, you do have coaches on the road now, unlike the last two years where they haven't been able to be on the road during May. <laughs> and, um, you know, so they're out evaluating. There's probably new offers that are not probably. There are new offers that pop up for 2023 and 2024. A lot of 2024 work being done at this point. So, you know, Carolina uh, continues to roll on on the recruiting trail. And then, you know, this summer with all the official visits scheduled, guys, you know, that's going to be another, you know, the summer is becoming huge uh, for recruiting. Um, used to be, you know, before the accelerated recruiting cycle, you know, where everybody kind of signs in December for the most part, you know, January was the month for official visits. You'd have a a sprinkling of them uh, in the fall, but now you're allowed to do it in the summer. And the Gamecocks last summer 
took advantage of that. Uh, and then this summer they will too. So we'll see sort of uh, how all that works out. There's a bunch of official visits scheduled. Um, and I'm going to update that for you guys right now. Um, just to let you know, uh, Friday, June 10th, I've mentioned Dylan Lonergan coming in. That's four-star quarterback out of Georgia, shaping up to be a Carolina-Stanford battle. Jaden Greathouse from Westlake High in Austin, Texas. Uh, Mid-four-star guy, wide receiver. He's officially visiting. By the way, Notre Dame got some picks for him on the crystal ball. It's Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma, and Carolina. That's kind of a – you know, you look at it and you're like, wow, all the way in Texas, and the Gamecocks are in the top four of those schools. But, you know, from what I understand, Carolina's got a good shot. Four-star edge. Jabron Harvey from Durham Southern in North Carolina, D-line heaven, 6'3", 215, sort of what they look for in an edge in this defense. Uh, you know, it'll be big, uh, a big visit for him coming in. And then safety Cameron Upshaw out of ta small ta Taylor County in Perry, Florida. I've heard of Taylor Perry, Georgia, but not Perry, Florida. Uh, Taylor County. I got to look that up on the map, folks. Uh, so he's coming in. Um, Two weeks later, uh, you got Trayon Webb uh, out of Trinity Christian in Jacksonville, mid-four-star running back. Marquis Anderson, four-star offensive lineman from Dorman. Jaden Robinson and Grayson Howard, a pair of four-star linebackers from the state of Florida. Uh, one's from Lake City, Columbia. That's Robinson. One's from Andrew Jackson in Jacksonville. That's Howard. I really like uh, – I really like both of these guys quite a bit. Howard, to me – if you're looking for one that may be a little underrated, because uh, Robinson's 27th at linebacker per composite, Howard's 28th. I, I think Grayson Howard's probably the underrated one out of the bunch per the recruiting industry. You know, Robinson seems about right at that low four-star range, but uh, certainly those two would be huge pickups, uh, both out of Florida, both both a, a little bit of Florida dog in them. They're not South Florida kids. They're, they're Northern Florida kids, but uh, – as I've mentioned plenty of times here, Lake City, Columbia is full uh, of good prospects uh, every year, it seems. Uh, I think Tim Jernigan went there. Uh, uh, Laramie Tunzel, we all remember him, uh, went there. So a good deal there. And the Gamecocks, you know, with linebackers from Jacksonville, uh, you know, you, you kind of think about it. And uh, I think they've had one, and that's Shaq Wilson. So that was a pretty good get. Uh, so, and Grayson Howard's a little bit different. He's 6'3", 225, big, long guy, has a bit of a dog, bit of dog in him, you know, as I mentioned, both these guys do. Uh, Trovon Ball, mid three-star offensive lineman from Pace Academy in Atlanta, uh, is, uh, I would say he's probably favoring the Gamecocks right now. He's visiting. And then this kid from Crisp County in Cordell, Georgia, Ahmad Brown, Receiver, DB, athlete, 6'1", 195, South Georgia kid. Yes, sign me up for that guy uh, if they want, and we'll see how the board shakes out uh, at DB or receiver or whenever. So those are the guys scheduled for this summer right now. There's going to be more. Uh, and then you have one scheduled, I think, for A&M weekend. Uh, Four-star defensive tackle Joel Starlings from Richmond, Virginia, Benedictine. Uh, he's been committed – to – who was he committed to? He was committed to somebody uh, early on, uh, and then it looked like he's going to flip to Michigan. Uh, I think Oklahoma, maybe. Was he committed to Oklahoma? Uh, I don't know. So that's uh, that's the deal there. He, he's going to 
He has a top five. North Carolina's in it. Virginia's in it. South Carolina's in it. West Virginia, Oklahoma. And I believe, hold on. Now, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, and North Carolina. So I don't know what's happened with Michigan there. So that's uh, that's one of those things. Uh, he was committed to Michigan. That's where he was committed. Dude, how did I, how did I get that? But he uh, ended that one. And, uh, you know, look, it, it's uh, – watch out for North Carolina here because they've been really good in Virginia lately. Uh, but it does look like maybe he's thinking about staying closer to home. I think if South Carolina uh, can prolong it and it lasts all the way until the official visit, then the Gamecocks certainly have a shot. I think it would be better to get him on campus for an unofficial if they can possibly do that. Uh, before that late date, but uh, Gamecocks are right there in the top five, so we'll see uh, sort of what happens with him. But that's way down the road uh, in October. All right, so that's probably the news and notes for today. <laughs> uh, yet again, uh, not a lot of those uh, here on a Saturday, but that's all right. That's uh, all right. We're going to have a, a good episode, Saturday Supergate episode anyway. I don't know why I thought to name it that, but I am. Uh, this episode, of, or sorry, this segment is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss Realtor. Uh, from the upstate right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Real estate market, as we know, is crazy. Uh, if you check out the Inside the Gamecocks or the Big Spurs Instagram account, we've been sharing some open houses and some listings from Cindy uh, up there in the upstate. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan and has been working that area for more than 35 years and we'd love to help you out with your real estate needs. You can contact her, 864-414-5271, or email csearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Uh, Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker Kane Realtor, uh, 864-414-5271. Tell her JC sent you, proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. So analysis. So, all right. So you guys know... I've been critical of the offensive coordinator at South Carolina, Marcus Satterfield. Uh, I was critical all year last year. Uh, for the most part, uh, did praise when warranted, especially the bowl game. Um, you know, have said that, you know, I'm going to give it a shot this year. Uh, I, you know, I hope that uh, with the talent that they've got, uh, that everything runs smoothly. You know, is it going to be an offense that, Averages 42 points a game and goes up and down the foul. I don't think so. Uh, and, and that's really, guys, because the defenses that South Carolina is going to play are too good. Uh, they're, they're too good to expect Big 12-type numbers. Uh, and that includes Spencer Rattler, you know, in that. You know, Spencer Rattler lit it up at Oklahoma in 2020 when not only was he in the Big 12 where they don't play much defense, but he uh, – you know, that was a year where nobody really played much defense for whatever reason. And then last year, as we saw, <clears throat> including in the national championship game, defense is returned. So uh, defense is back. Uh, all Everybody that thought the game was evolving to this uh, Saturday Super K arcade pinball, whatever, uh, they were wrong. They were wrong because last year defenses came back in a big way. Uh, and, I, and, you know, when, in the pandemic year, I, I think it was the late start and the lack of spring practice. Uh, I think in defense, you, sometimes you got to get into a rhythm. Uh, in practice, most of the time, your defense is ahead of your offense, right? 
Uh, but I think in games sometimes that, that if a defense doesn't have that offseason work, you know, with assignments and stuff like that, the physicality that you have to play, you know, not a lot of big physical practices, guys missing, uh, pieces missing because of COVID, you know, that probably explained it, you know, and, and then you're facing offenses that, you know, during the, the, the pandemic time when things were shut down, you know, you can still get players can still go out and do Pascal. Uh, they can still get together on their own and throw the ball and learn the plays. Uh, and a lot of times like defense just didn't know what, what they were doing uh, that year. Carolina included with all those NFL guys in the secondary, they, they didn't know they knew what they're doing that old miss game. My goodness. Uh, and, and I think that's what played a factor into it. So, you know, to expect Rattler to go out there and duplicate, hey, look, if he does, great, super. That means the Gamecocks are probably going to win a lot of games. Uh, but I, I, I think it's a it's a little unrealistic. I think Spencer Rattler's a good quarterback, could be great. Uh, I think he's got uh, a skill set that we haven't seen around here very often as far as how he can throw the ball, uh, arm talent, quick release, uh, that kind of thing. And you know, he's a hardworking guy. I mean, Spencer Rattler, and we, we talk a lot about NIL, and uh, I've been sort of, uh, I don't know, critical of it, of it seeping into recruiting, right? Uh, because recruiting, I'm like, where's the motivation to go work if you're a recruit? I, I think at the same time, what we've seen with current players, players that have earned it, players that have on campus already, players that have you know, come in and gotten with the program at all programs, uh, it hasn't really affected those guys. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because Spencer Rattler probably makes, uh, I think, on own three, they uh, and they do a good job over there with the NIL valuation. Their algorithm actually is probably the, uh, and it's an algorithm, so it's interesting. It's probably the most realistic uh, value, at, you know, when you're talking about value of a player and stuff. It's probably the most realistic thing out there much more realistic than some of these, uh, you know, oh, it's 8 million a year or 8 million for, you know, all that crap, but it, it, it's, it's much more realistic. So, uh, you know, you got, um, you got that uh, going on with Rattler. I'm pretty sure his valuation was like 1.2 million. Uh, pretty sure he makes quite a bit with his gear and his appearances and all that. And, and it hadn't really, you know, as far as his work ethic goes and, and, you know, you, you double check it cause you can't just look on his Instagram and say, Oh, he's working hard. Uh, because that's kind of a show. Right. Uh, but you double check through people at Carolina, people around him and he's working hard. I mean, look at him physically, he's probably put on 10 pounds of pretty good weight. Uh, and he mentioned that he probably needed to do that in the sec cause it's, you know, it's a little bit more of a physical league, uh, and, and all that good stuff. So, you know, I, I think, Rattler uh, is in good shape to have a good year. You know, was he perfect at Oklahoma uh, when he got benched for Caleb Williams? No, but sometimes at a school, you know, you, you go through a season that that doesn't mean that Spencer Rattler is a bad quarterback. That just means for that particular team, something was not working. Right. And we've seen guys in college football, you know, Joe Burrow comes to mind. He couldn't win the job. Couldn't beat out the late Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. Sad what happened to Dwayne. By the way, I, I covered him in a camp. Um, a really good kid. Uh, one of the strongest arms I think I've ever seen. 
But uh, anyway, uh, Burrow couldn't do that. So then, then he goes to LSU and you saw what he did. Uh, you know, there's been guys like Jalen Hurts got benched for Tua, right, at Alabama, stuck it out for a year, and then goes to Oklahoma, sets records. Uh, you know, I, I'm just saying that, like, one man's trash is another man's treasure around here. And that situation at Oklahoma, there's a lot now, uh, I think, going into it that that went into it that maybe we weren't aware of, starting with Lincoln Riley. I mean, you know, he left, got out of there. You know, what was going on? I mean, people talk about the culture there and, and stuff like that. Brent Venables had to go in there and kind of recharge it a little bit. When Stoops took over for the bowl game, they, they were kind of recharged. So, so look, man, I mean, shoot, I – man, I, I just – uh I think there was a lot that went into that Oklahoma situation. Um, but I digress. This is about Marcus Satterfield. Uh, and so, you know, great. The scheme, whatever, you know, you, you hear some things about the scheme now and it, it kind of makes you second guess or whatever. But look, I'm going to put all that aside and I'm going to say this. Quarterback recruiting at South Carolina right now, uh, and I hesitate to say this, too, not because of Marcus Satterfield and the job he's done, because I think he's done an excellent job. And, you know, to date, uh, this is – they're really on a roll as far as recruiting quarterbacks. Um, but I've said this before. Carolina's look like they're in really good shape, you know, with Bentley, Helensky, Doty, uh, even going back uh, a ways uh, when McElwain came in with Bentley and all that. And it's looked like Carolina, oh, they're in good shape. The quarterback, quarterback room's good. Uh, and then it's turned out it had, you know, one injury wrecked the whole thing in 2019 because uh, you had a true freshman behind Jake or whatever. Uh, and so I, I was a little hesitant to say this because I just, uh, you know, because of what's happened, because of recent history. Uh, but I think there's a big determination there never to go through what they went through at quarterback this past year. Shane Beamer himself has said, we need more quarterbacks uh, on the field, you know, taking snaps at practice, whatever. And, uh, you know, he's right. And, you know, from the looks of it, uh, it's looking good. I mean, look, man, how many coaches go out and get Spencer Rattler, Tanner Bailey, and Braden Davis all in the same class? Tanner Bailey's a four-star guy, top 200 guy. Braden Davis was not a four-star guy at the end, but he was most of the cycle. Uh, I think we all saw that he's got a lot of upside in the spring game. Uh, plus, son of an NFL player, best player in Delaware, uh, was an Under Armour All-American until he elected not to play because he had to get some dental work done to enroll at South Carolina, uh, which shows me he cares a whole lot more about being a great college quarterback than he does about being a highly rated recruit. Because uh, I think mean, that cost him, too. I mean, he gets on that stage and performs well, uh, then ranking probably goes back up. But who cares about that? Uh, he's there now. So, you start with that from the 2022 class. That That's as impressive of a quarterback haul uh, as anyone's got. And people can say, well, how much was it Satterfield? How much was it Beamer? Well, Beamer had a lot to do with it. So the other offensive coaches, but your quarterback's coach and your OC has to be involved, right? And something that he's telling, you know, critical of the scheme or not, maybe I'm a blithering idiot here, you know, because the people that matter, i.e. the quarterbacks, the quarterback recruits, uh, seem to be drawn to the offense. 
you know, whatever he's telling them about the offense and the system is very appealing, and you can't deny that. <laughs> uh, even Tanner Bailey said, you know, on, on a social media post that what's the best thing about Carolina coming up is like Satterfield, you know. So for whatever reason, these quarterback recruits love the guy, you know. And, and honestly, you know, no matter what you heard behind the scenes last year about the offense – you never heard anything like oh, the quarterbacks don't like him. his position, uh, you know. So, hey, uh, this is working. <laughs> if you don't have talent, it doesn't matter what you call anyway. So, you know, you look beyond that. I mentioned Lonergan earlier. Got to come down to Stanford and South Carolina, most likely. Uh, Carolina's been on him strong for a long, long time. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Philip Jones, former Gamecock, is his head coach over there at uh, Snellville, Georgia, um, you know, uh, Brookwood High School. Obviously, uh, for those that were familiar with Gwinnett County football, the big rivalry before a lot of these other schools like Grayson opened and all, that was Brookwood versus Parkview. That was a big-time, big-time rivalry. Uh, you know, so I think Kenny Miles went to Brookwood, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. He may have been South Gwinnett. But anyway – you know, Dylan Lonergan from Brookwood, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, the ninth-rated quarterback in the country for 24-7 sports composite, top 100 prospect. Gamecocks have a crystal ball in for him right now. So you, you stack him in 2023, right? Well, then you look down the road and you're like, well, they can't possibly do any better, right? Wrong. Because in 2024, Dante Reno, uh, who is a kid from Massachusetts, it's dad, uh, is the head coach at Yale. Uh, he may play in Connecticut. I'm not sure. Uh, but he uh, he's from New England. How about put it that way? And his dad's a coach, head coach at Yale. So you, you watch him, you know, because I, I when he first came on the scenes, I'm like, well, you know, I'm sure they like him, but I'm a Jaden Bradford guy, the kid from Chapin that went to IMG. I always have been. Uh, I think he's potentially special. And, you know, I, I stand by that. And I hope Jaden Bradford does come to South Carolina because, you know, they may need him. You, you just never know how it's going to work uh, at this position. However, you know, you watch Dante Reno throw the football, and, man, the arm talent is, is insane for a kid that young. You know, and, and so Carolina's got crystal ball predictions in for Reno and for Bradford. Uh, not sure if they end up taking two or what, but – Man, I mean, that's a – those are two studs right behind a stud in Lonergan, right behind a stud in Bailey and a stud in Davis. It's five guys. And then you throw Spencer Rattler in there. I, I don't know if they ended up getting those two. And, I, and look, again, for 2024, yeah, squeezing those two in may be a little difficult. But let's say, let's say you get one of them. I mean, what quarterbacks coach in the country has – been that good outside of maybe in Alabama or, or some of Clemson, somebody like that, Ohio State, obviously. Ohio State obviously has no problems recruiting quarterbacks, maybe Texas and Sark, uh, maybe Southern Cal. But it's as good as anybody, especially for uh, the season they had on offense last year. Uh, you know, like I said, kudos to Marcus Satterfield. And I have an article I'm going to write about this later today more in depth. Uh, for his recruiting. I mean, you know, take the way the offense struggled out of it, look at it purely from a recruiting perspective, uh, and he's gotten it done, you know, and continues to get it done. Uh, and, you know, and we'll see. We'll see if 
Lonergan comes. We'll see about Reno and Bradford. Those are the three kind of on deck. But man, shoot, I, I think it's uh, I think it's outstanding uh, the job he has done uh, on the recruiting trail. And, and and the reason that should be significant beyond oh, South Carolina's got some talented quarterback coming in is as I mentioned, there's something about the scheme that's getting presented to these guys. Uh, that are players, and players know better than just about anybody, you know, especially a quarterback, that they like. So maybe we're all wrong. You know, maybe maybe we're just wrong about it. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, they've all mentioned it. So uh, in my opinion, you could probably, uh, you know, maybe we're wrong. Like I said, I still got questions about it. I'm, you know, concerned. Uh, don't want them to waste the talent they have this year. Um, like I said, realistic about the offense, but, uh, you know, it can't be another bad year on that side of the ball. And it was bad. I mean, overall, you look at it, some bright spots here and there, it was bad. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I think that um, that's another sign that, that maybe we're kind of uh, – maybe we're kind of a little overcritical last year. Like I said, I'm not going to back off of the criticism because last year was not good. And Satterfield himself even said it was a learning experience for him. But, you know, something he is telling these recruits uh, is working. And you just got to keep it working. Because, like I said, you got to have players. Yeah, if you don't have players, it's going to be tough. If you don't have a good quarterback, uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, Mike Morgan and I talked about that this week on JC and Morgan. By the way, two episodes uh, are up. Uh, an interview with Bob Kessling and then Mike and I broke down some of the topics around college football said the same thing. He said that. Mike said that for years. You know, you don't have a good quarterback, not going to be that good. Well, uh, when you recruit as well as you can at the position and you have a lot of guys with a lot of ability uh, to pick from, and then that competition uh, allows the folks to rise to the top. And I didn't even mention Luke Doty and Colton Gauthier were still there because those guys were recruited by the previous staff. But Luke Doty I mean, was a top 100 talent. And I thought looked as good as he has uh, in the uh, in the spring game, I thought it was much improved from last spring game. I thought he, you know, to have been of coming off the injury and all that, uh, I thought you know he, he looked more comfortable. You know, he didn't look as you know a lot of times Luke when he's played so far he looked a little nervous back there. Didn't look nervous spring game. Calm, cool, collected. Uh, the three C's, and so. You know, South Carolina's quarterback, quarterback recruiting, I, I just wanted to mention that because a lot of times we all get caught up in the criticism and what's wrong because uh, everybody cares and, and, you know, they want it fixed and stuff like that. And, you know, but we may have ignored that uh, and hope that nobody kind of takes that for granted because, you know, it's not the easiest program to recruit to. And we don't know what's going to happen in recruiting with NIL and all that. Like uh, I tell everybody these days for recruiting, you know, forget everything you know right now because you just don't know what the situation is going to be. And I'm tired of talking about NIL right now. Uh, seems like that's been the subject. Everything, you know, for everything uh, lately on podcasts, the internet, whatever. So uh, here on Saturday, Super K, we're going to not talk about NIL uh, for a while and uh, get back, you know, to that subject later on. All right, uh, got to hear from Tony Pope State Farm, and we'll be right back. 
Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back. Inside the Gamecast Podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Um, You know, Talking about the quarterbacks uh, and the recruiting in that situation, you know, that's all well and good uh, and all that good stuff. And uh, there's another sport recruiting right now, and that's basketball. And Lamont Paris, uh, you know, has uh, been recruiting. <laughs> and the Gamecocks are in the portal. And uh, Tanner Bronson and Eddie Shannon and those guys – um, you know, started, I mean, they were all available for the media. They talked about looking for character, uh, looking for guys like that. You know, you know, the Malachi Smith guy, yes, Malachi Smith, that's, um, you know, the guy, kid from Chattanooga, you know, you just don't know what, uh, what's going on with him. Uh, he was not on campus per sources visiting. Uh, Average 20 points a game for Chattanooga declared for the draft, but also put his name recently in the transfer portal. And that's just in case the draft doesn't work out. You know, my personal opinion is the guy's probably, he's maybe good enough to go. Um, So that's, uh, that's my thing there. Uh, If not, you know, what we've heard about Paris in the beginning is Malachi probably follow him. Um, but again, you know, and I said I wasn't going to bring this up, NIL. And in basketball, NIL is a huge deal. Uh, bigger than football right now because it's more universally applicable. Uh, most guys want a deal or whatever. Um, and, you know, and, and by the way, the NCAA did meet with or is going to pass legislation to kind of get the collectives out of recruiting or whatever. That's fine with me. Uh, but we'll talk about that next week. And then Greg Sankey and – the PEC 12 commissioner met with the Senate, the United States Senate. Good luck with all that. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, uh, that's what's going on with that. So I don't know, you know, Smith is the type of guy, he's good enough to wear a who's who of college basketball is potentially going to want to recruit him. So will he follow Paris? What will happen? That would be a game changer, I think, for this team. Uh, I really do. Uh, but they're still looking for big men and, and some guys like that. It's a little bit, I don't know, scattershot uh, right now. But uh, uh, here are the newcomers. You got the two guys that Frank recruited, Daniel Hankins Sanford, who's a top 200 player nationally out of Charlotte, 6'8", 230, big-bodied kid. Uh, and then 6'8", point guard Zachary Davis from Denmark Olar. Uh, last player out of Denmark, Olar, the Gamecocks had on their roster, I believe, was Larry Davis, who transferred from North Carolina. We all remember Larry, right? Uh, Big-time three-point shooter on the SEC championship team. Uh, and I was corrected. I, I said he was one year 
He wasn't. He was two. He was in the previous year, too. That team went to the quarterfinals of the NIT, uh, the first team he was on. Zach Davis may take a while, uh, but he's a developmental type guy, 6'8", and can shoot number 298 prospect in the country. Uh, and those are the two freshmen. So the transfers, um, E.B. Deba, Ibrima Deba from Coastal Carolina, uh, 6'6", uh, 205-pound small forward uh, combo, or not a combo guard, maybe a, a big guard. Uh, 8.1 points per game, and I think four rebounds a game for Coastal last year. Nice role player, maybe like an Antonio Grant, if I remember. You, you hope he's built sort of like Lakeem Jackson, but you hope he's a better shooter than Lakeem. But um, maybe like an Antonio Grant. Uh, Michi Johnson, uh, who out of high school was a top, you know, 100-type player, went to Ohio State, couldn't really get off the bench. Uh, he's in for the Gamecocks. Uh, Hayden Brown, a transfer from the Citadel, Burns High grad, uh, puts a lot into playing. You know, a really tough, hard-nosed guy, competitor. Uh, he's in. Uh, and then a walk-on, Troy Boynton, who's coming in from Evansville out of Florida, was hurt all year last year. So you don't know what he can do as a combo guard, point guard, that kind of thing. So you need some big men, uh, I think, uh, in this class. I I look at the roster now, and so, you know, you got Javon Benson back, hadn't played a whole lot. You know, Hayden Brown's a four. Josh Gray is back. I continue to believe that that guy has a lot of upside. You know, Travon Minot is still there, sticking with it. You know, he has played some minutes. <laughs> and then Hank and Sanford uh, is sticking with it as well. And then in the backfield, you got Chico Carter back. Uh, backfield. God, I'm a helmet head. Boo, 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 backcourt. Chico Carter's back. Um, you know, a coaching change may be good for Chico because he – I thought he scored pretty well every time he's in the game. So, why didn't he play more last year on that team? Probably defense. And probably guys were just ahead of him like Cousinard. By the way, Jermaine Cousinard is uh, going to the University of Oregon. Uh, so, you want to talk about things I was wrong about? Uh, I thought Cousinard would be back closer to home because of his mom. Uh, but he's going further uh, to Eugene, Oregon, to play for Dana Altman and the Ducks. So that's where he committed. Uh, be interesting to see how he does out in the Pac-12. I, I, you know, I, I like Jermaine, and I hope – you know, I wish him the best. I, I, you know, I think he's taken a lot of crap, like a lot of the players that Frank coached. And, and people, you know, just put them in the – all of them in this category. Oh, they all suck, whatever. Now, that's not true. Red doesn't like that either. <laughs> There's a motorcycle going by, so it's a, he, he hates motorcycles. A lot of these guys individually were good players, um, and they just, as a team, it, it was kind of above average, average to above average, uh, you know, uh, every year but the pandemic year since, you know, the Final Four. And uh, these guys did an all right job. So, uh, and I think, We'll see Jermaine uh, this coming year at Oregon play pretty well, in my opinion. Uh, and I hope so. You know, I hope, I hope Jermaine Cousinard goes and plays pro ball. Uh, you know, he's a tough kid from Chicago. Uh, hasn't had the best of luck personally in life. Uh, and I think that anytime somebody can rise above and have success in life, 
You know, you want to pull for him. Plus, he played his butt off for Carolina uh, and Frank Martin while he was there and won some games for them. You know, we, you know, remember the Kentucky game? He hit the last second shot. I mean, that that alone uh, was outstanding. How many guys can say that? So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with those guys that, in the portal. And, you know, certainly uh, Woodley and Levesque are in at UMass with Frank Martin. So they followed him there. And we'll see how the rest of them. But, you know, I said Chico Carter. Yeah, and, and I thought scoring-wise, shooting-wise, when he played last year, he was good. So why didn't he play? Probably because of his defense. Like I said, people in front of him. Uh, Jacoby Wright, uh, I thought, you know, and a lot of people – I don't know what the expectation was for him his first year, but I thought as a backup point guard who came in and distributed the ball, he was great. Not much of a scorer right now. Uh, and neither was Michi Johnson at Ohio State, but you have those guys. But I, I think, you know, you're, you're at 10. Um, and then Boynton is the 11th. He's a walk-on his first year. So you got three left. If Malachi Smith can be one of those, great. <laughs> Uh, if not, maybe try to find a Ford, uh, a big or something. But I, I expect them to be selective. I don't think they're going to get Julian Phillips, the five-star guy from Columbia. I think he's probably going to Auburn or maybe the G League or something like that. Um, but we'll see sort of what happens. We'll see sort of uh, how everything plays out on the recruiting trail. Uh, do I look at this roster right now and think it's going to be anything but bottom third of the SEC? No. <laughs> I, I would not predict, you know, a bunch of success with the way it is now with these 10 guys. But I also think that, uh, you know, depending on how they mesh, depending on like, like what if Michi Johnson ends up returning to form like a great player, the, the, you know, like, like he was projected to be out of high school. You know, what if Jacoby Wright takes a step? What if Chico Carter can score? Uh, what if uh, Benson and Gray and Minot, are guys that just couldn't get Frank Martin's system, but they fit into this one pretty well. You know, what if Josh Gray specifically takes a big step? Well, then you're cooking with grease, but those are a lot of ifs, and you wouldn't sit here and predict it on May 7th on a Saturday Supercade episode. All right, so uh, that's that. And um, certainly uh, enjoyed talking about quarterbacks and basketball during the analysis segment. One of the reasons I did a show today was because of mailbag questions, and we're going to get to that right now. I help consulting, of course, sponsors the mailbag each and every episode. We certainly appreciate Daniel uh, from I help consulting. And I'll tell you about them right now. If you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money, right? I know I am. And that's where I help consulting can help iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. So whether you think you may be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If iHelp can't help your business, it's no cost to you. All right? So there's no risk in this, folks. So call or text Daniel at iHelp 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting. How can I help you? And iHelp certainly has helped me with Carolina Rise, with the Big Spur, all the businesses I have. Uh, I am a testimonial. 
to the job Daniel can do. So please take advantage of his services. Tell him JC sent you. Also want to mention this, uh, and I'm going to, um, it, this is this light link is on the uh, at the Big Spur Pod, the Inside the Gamecocks podcast um, uh, Twitter account. Okay, uh, and I'm going to put it on the Facebook page too. It's the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, wanted to let you know that the Big Spur Golf Tournament is uh, May 23rd at Sharwood. Uh, and it's fairway for fish, fairways for fish. Ryan Fisher was a guy that was involved in Carolina athletics, uh, for a long time in the equipment department. Um, I don't, I did not know him. Uh, I knew of him, a lot of mutual friends. Tragically, Ryan died of COVID, you know, and just had, a uh, just gotten married. It was, <laughs> had a baby, I mean, very tragic. Right. And, uh, you hate to see somebody it's you know i've never heard anybody say anything bad about the guy ever you know uh, at all period none never uh just a tremendous person good game cock lovely family um and fortunately unfortunately passed away so in his honor john whittle who uh obviously works for the big spur.com and um is uh was a friend of ryan's has put this together uh, we have room for a handful of foursomes left. Uh, got a charity auction. 100% of the proceeds for this tournament uh, go to uh, his foundation uh, as we're raising money for him, for fish, and, and the causes he liked uh, back in the day uh, or, you know, all through his life. So 9 a.m. start at Sharwood, May 23rd sponsorship opportunities, and then we'd love for you to come play. Uh, there's a lot of folks coming to play. Uh, and, you know, a lot of uh, – I know that uh, there's a chance the former Gamecock players will be out there. Uh, I know some media members are out there. Unfortunately for me, I have sort of a, a previously uh, scheduled uh, semi-anniversary type trip that I – Scheduled before the golf tournament was scheduled. So, so I won't be there. And I think Tony Morell's on vacation, but the rest of the Big Spur staff will, uh, along with some of your favorite media members and all that good stuff. So uh, I encourage you to, to, to go sign up. The link, again, is at, at the Big Spur Pod. Get you a foursome in there if you play golf, uh, or you can go to birdease, B I R D E A S E dot com slash the Big Spur. And uh, get out there, play with John Hale McGranahan, uh, a load of great Gamecocks. There'll be prizes and um, uh, an auction with some gear, some really good stuff. Uh, and uh, it's all for a great cause for Ryan Fisher. So I did want to mention that today on the podcast, and I'll continue to mention that until they fill up. I think they're probably about 75% full right now. Uh, so get on it, get in it, get to it and uh, rock and roll. If you'd like more info, if you don't want to sit there and rewind the podcast and you'd like for me to email you the link, uh, email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And I'll shoot that to you. Like I, sh I shot a lot of the links for Carolina rise out uh, to you guys. And I really appreciate that. So um, I'll be glad to send you the golf tournament stuff. So that's uh that's great. Uh, that's great uh, as well. All right. There's two ways to get in the mailbag. Uh, the first is at the Big Spur Pod. You tweet at the Big Spur Pod, and we can uh, we can get it going. 
Uh, and then the, the email address, like I mentioned, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. So let's roll. I help consulting mailbag. So Bullheaded says, uh, and he sent it to me, JC, to your point uh, on the last pod about where are all the high major recruits in Rock Hill, I feel like a lot are being pushed to Charlotte-based schools, and I don't know why, especially quarterbacks. Uh, Jaden Davis is an example. I mean, if you ask me, Metro Charlotte is basically South Carolina adjacent. Doesn't really feel like North Carolina, like Durham or Raleigh. I, I agree. Jaden Davis, though, was from that side of the border and it just come down. Um, curious to see how he ends up. I think, I think Jaden may be a little like Chris Leak, who was also ironically from the Charlotte area, who when he was young, got a lot of hype and a lot of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, was good. Won a national championship in college. and was a really good college quarterback. There's no question about it. However, you know, was he an elite player? Uh, did he, did he, I don't think he went pro, all that. So, um, elite player individually long-term. In college, you win a national championship, you're elite, right? Um, and it wasn't all him that year. Florida had an outstanding defense. And um, really, Tim Tebow came in, you know, and, rolled in uh, on the goal line or whatever, but it, it you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, it, it, he won it. So, yeah, but that, that, that's my feeling, Jaden Davis. I, I don't know who else is going or crossing the border. I mean, back in the day, Devontae Holloman crossed the border and went from Independence to South Point. Yes. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I haven't tracked that enough. Um, I do know this. I, I'm getting to the point where, Sort of every recruiting cycle, I look at the state of South Carolina and I expect it to cycle back up, and it just hasn't for a while. I mean, there, there are three guys in the state. Carolina wants three. Uh, four if you count Monroe Freeling, but I don't think they, they're in it for him. Four, three. I mean, you're not going to get by. Even if you sweep all three, it's, it's going to be hard to do that. And so – my further question ends up being, you know, what what the heck is going on, not just in Rock Hill, but around the state of South Carolina as to why, you know, the numbers are like they are. Now, camp season's coming up. There's always three or four guys from in the state that come to camp at Carolina that they end up offering. Uh, Nick Emanuore and Demetrius Watson were two last year. Uh, you know, but six is not a great number either. And it's just kind of funny that, you know, for years, and I thought it was BS, for years, there's not enough players in the state. Well, there was. They just went out of state. And now <laughs> there's not. Um, and so it's just kind of weird. Now, you know, there's also situations like Zion Nelson and a friend of mine whose birthday it is today. I won't mention his name, but happy birthday, man, uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, sent me something the other day about Zion Nelson. He's an offensive tackle at the University of Miami. He started since he was a freshman, projected as, you know, the 16th overall pick in the draft. He's from Sumter. Um, but, you know, in his situation, you, you almost let it pass for Clemson and Carolina. I mean, Miami offered him really late. They were really in need of offensive linemen, and they just – he was just a projection. Well, he was 230 pounds uh, when he came out. And so that, that's not easy to, to – I mean, not everybody's Sedarius Hutcherson, you know. That's not easy to project. Uh, but look at him now. 
you know. Um, and so there's going to be guys like that in every state. But then there's guys that, that get away, and then there's guys that go lower level that play well. But uh, I just, you know, I'm to the point now where it's like, what is going on? You know, is and, and you know, you hear talk, and I mentioned it about is is the is there a hamstringing of football because of rules in our state? What what is it? Um, I, I don't see anything off the top of my head. Everybody still has spring practice, right? Uh, and all that good stuff. But what, what's going on with football in the state of South Carolina? I mean, you have some schools too with some some droughts. Um, I mean, when's the last time somebody came out of Manning? You know, Sumter's been a hot hit, top bed. Uh, I think I think when you consider Zion Nelson and John Morant in basketball, you probably just take everybody from Sumter with a pulse, right? <laughs> I mean, because you're like, oh, here's two guys from Sumter. One went to Murray State. One went to Miami late. One's going to be a first-round pick and offensive tackle, which is ridiculously hard to recruit. And then John Morant's John Morant. I mean, you know, and you're, and you're sitting there going, wow, Sumter, right there. Um, when's the last time somebody came out of Marlboro County? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you kind of look at some of these places that have had guys. Uh, Berkeley High School. You know, Izzy McQuamu played there three years. He went to Louisiana his senior year. That's that's probably the last one. That's home of the Ellingtons. You know, uh, Buford High School, Battery Creek, Wales Branch. You know, it, it, it's you know I know Hilton Head has a guy or two every couple of years, but I just don't even count them in state anymore so, because of, for a number of reasons. You know, uh, Florence, South Florida. I think South Florence has a quarterback. And then they have a, a young kid at Wilson for 2024 who's already got an offer from Carolina. I mentioned Rock Hill. You know, Spartanburg, Greenville, they seem to have players. Uh, but is it enough? I mean, what, what's going on? You know, that's my question. What's going on? Because uh, it used to be guys, you know, some schools, guys every year. I mean, Sherrall hadn't had a guy at a receiver that went to Louisville, but they had a guy, Clemson and Carolina, wanted since Cliff Matthews. Um, now, they have put out players at Sherrall, and I love Sherrall. I mean, I, I think that part of the state's underrated as far as talent goes. Now, you do have Dylan uh, getting back on the scene with Josiah Thompson next year in Woodland with Cam Pringle. But, you know, you just kind of look at it, and you're like, man, this is, this is, this is a little bit different of a landscape than maybe historically, and, and I've, I've wanted to give it time. You know, because a lot of things are cyclical. But, I mean, right now it's just like, wow. You know, it's it, 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 three. <laughs> that number three. Right now there are three players in the state that Carolina has an offer out to. And that number probably will rise to five or six. I don't know who. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing there. Um, so, thank you. Thank you very much. Bullheaded for that one. Gamecock fan three. JC, the two-hour daily. Do it. For now, 2023 running back recruits that you think are the realistic options at that position. Well, uh, maybe they get back in on the Hall kid that committed to Michigan. Maybe they don't. Um, Webb, I still just don't think he's coming to South Carolina at the end of the day. I do think that they're in it. They're going to have him. Um obviously there uh, for a visit. But, you know, Benjamin Hall from North Cobb would probably, you know, they still like him quite a bit. 
So maybe they don't give up on him, try to flip him. Other than that, I portal again, I would guess. And and look, you know, at some point, Montero Hardesty's got to sign a guy. And you don't want him to just go sign a guy to sign one, you know, but you got to get a guy. You know, you can't just rely on the portal to recruit running backs from here till till whenever. The the room is in good shape right now. Uh, because I think, you know, you, Lloyd, if he has a great year this year, I could see him leaving and going. Uh, but you still got McDowell. Christian uh, Bill Smith is a one-year deal. Uh, Rashad, but, you know, I, I'm fired up about Rashad Amos and LaVosia Carroll moving forward. I mean, you need five. But, uh, you know, and Juju McDowell, every time he touches the ball, he makes a play. So they're in good shape there still. But how much of it's really been Montario Hardesty? Not a lot. You know, Bill Smith and uh, Carroll were sort of portal, you know, different coaches work them out of the portal and the, the in, internal staff at Carolina were big. You know, and the portal was such like a more a fast paced march, you know, this year for South Carolina. Uh, it was like that. So, so to answer your question, I do not know. <laughs> I just do not know uh, who else would be there at running back. I, you know, maybe somebody of in state emerges. Uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm as kind of baffled about it as you. I don't think they're going to get Webb for a number of reasons, but uh, you know, he is highly rated and all that. But you know, you know, all right. So I forgot to mention uh, Dante Dowdle from Mississippi, a four-star kid. Uh, he's a possibility. And then they got in on Dontavious Browswell from South or from middle Georgia, Sandersville, Washington County. Uh, they're still sort of talking to Jalen Johnson from Baxley, Georgia, Appling County. Uh, he's kind of a smaller guy, but really good. Uh, and Ike Daniels from Virginia has visited and things like that. So I, I don't know that I feel great about any of those guys. The, the guy they wanted, they lost was Hall to Michigan. And uh, he's a mid-three-star guy right now, but yeah, wait, you know, Michigan's probably a pretty good fit for it, to be honest. But uh, you wait, that guy's that guy's going to – if he ends up in Ann Arbor, don't be surprised if people are talking about him quite a bit, you know, moving forward. So there's that. Thanks for your question. Gamecock Fan 3, as far as the two-hour daily show, uh, working on some ideas for it. Uh, trying to see if it's worth doing. Uh, the feedback's been great from you guys. Don't get me wrong, but uh, there's other pieces to it. There's technical pieces. There's monetizing. Uh, there's things like that. I've had people reach out that want to be a part of it, but you know, I, you know, I, I think you know, it may just have to start with me, right? If it is to be, it's up up with me until till it grows and we get a scale. You know, you're able to scale it with the audience and, and things like that. Game guy pastor, uh, he says, recruiting and the portal have been good in Columbia. Around the SEC East, there have been some good moves with our contemporaries as well. How does the state of the program and the inflow of talent stack up against the likes of Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, and Kentucky? Very similar, and uh, I'll say this, Game Cop pastor, uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Missouri and Kentucky have their best recruiting classes out of high school. Uh, they've had in quite some time at Missouri. You have to recruit uh, St. Louis, East St. Louis. Well, they got a five-star receiver from uh, that area. Luther Burden, who I think is going to be pretty good. You know, Mizzou did a good job 
recruiting. And Drinkwitz has actually been pretty surprising in that department, uh, all things considered. Uh, Kentucky, uh, I think, uh, you know, you look at kind of what they did and, yeah, Eric Wolford <laughs> uh, did a really, really good job uh, recruiting there while he was uh, there. And, and their program has been good for long enough now, guys, where, you know, you're starting to see it. You know, you're starting to see players, you know, come back to, you know, or stay home, you know, and, and really uh, consider Kentucky uh, a big-time option. I mean – Kawanta Goodman was a high four-star tackle from Charlestown, Indiana. They got him. They got Dane Key, who you know, a local kid. They got Grant Bingham, a four-star offensive lineman from within the state. I mean, you look at, you know, and traditionally they have had issues keeping guys in state. And then another good thing they're doing now, they're going into Tennessee and getting players. Um, Barry and Brown was a big-time receiver out of Portal Cone in Nashville. Uh, Keaton Wade. Uh, was a big-time linebacker, Spring Hill, Tennessee, where I used to live. Shocked that there's players in Spring Hill. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be. I lived there in the late 2000s, and it was kind of an emerging uh, suburb of Nashville. His brother, Destin Wade, is another four-star guy that they got. They got a kid from Mississippi who's a four-star guy. So this Kentucky class ended up, uh, you know, 14th uh, overall. Uh, in in the uh, rankings with the transfers and everybody else, I you know I thought uh, it was their best class uh, on paper. Now their secret sauce has been out evaluating people too. So if these guys were good evaluations, which I sort of feel like they will be, uh, Kentucky's roster is going to continue to get better and better and better. They're not going anywhere. As long as Mark Stoops is at Kentucky. They are not going anywhere. They're going to be a fact of life uh, for every football program in the SEC East. Uh, It's not to say that they're going to be an an insurmountable force for the Gamecocks to have to deal with. Gamecocks have lost a lot of close games to the Wildcats during this seven and two streak. Uh, So you got to get over the hump, you know, with them if you're Carolina. But, uh, you know, they're just going to get better and better. uh, and, And, you know, look. Let's say Georgia's down this year after losing all that talent. Let's say South Carolina can't get its offensive line fixed or starts off 0-3 in the SEC and gets in a hole and then gets better as the year goes on. You know, who's my team in the East that, you know, probably could win the division in kind of an off year? It would be Kentucky. Uh, and, And Tennessee, like, look, here's the thing. As much as Kentucky's owned South Carolina, Tennessee's owned Kentucky. During this whole thing, the whole rise of the Kentucky Wildcats, Tennessee uh, has killed it, I mean, you know, with them. And Tennessee, as we all know, has not had a uh, great run of it um, for the past nine years. Kentucky's been better uh, overall. But, all right, so Stoops got there. In 2013, Tennessee went one, two, three, four, and oh. Kentucky won in 2017 against an interim coach, four and one, five and one, six and one, six and two, seven and two. So Tennessee, seven and two against Kentucky during that same nine year period. The only wins they've got in the series were one in Lexington in 2017. And I think Butch Jones had already been fired, right? 
uh, by three. <laughs> and then during the COVID year, Pruitt's last year, they whipped them pretty good, 34 to seven in Knoxville. So uh, in a regular non-COVID year against a full-time head coach there, that, Stoops is over against the Vols, two and seven. And that game's in Knoxville this year. So uh, if I'm sitting there going, is it Tennessee or Kentucky? I think Kentucky's the better team on paper, but uh, Tennessee's owned them, folks. Owned owned them, <laughs> which is amazing because, as I've said, we, we're not the, – the, you know, 2013 until present has not exactly been the golden era of all football. So it's kind of amazing to me. You know, it's just one of those things. Uh, the Kentucky has been good, 33-17. and 17. Uh, in their last 50 games, they've won 10 twice. They've won two Citrus Bowls. Unprecedented success for Kentucky football in the modern era. You know, but that's it. So, back to your question, you know, I, I think Carolina, when you look at the portal additions specifically, uh, it, it's on par with whatever Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, Kentucky have done uh, for this particular class. Um, you know, I, I think obviously Florida has it always will have more speed and athleticism than, than just about anybody. That doesn't necessarily mean good. It just means fast. Um, and then Missouri and Kentucky obviously had great classes this year. Tennessee uh, continues to have the portal well, too. Uh, so we'll see sort of what happens. Captain taking command responded to this and said, I think it compares very well. Beamer has a program going in the right direction, using the transfer portal well. Yep. Um, and then Pastor responds with this. I agree, but I see portions of the fan base, portions of the fan base who can begin to panic when they they see five-star quarterbacks and Brew McCoy heading to Knoxville. Always wanted to hear from the greatest source on Gamecocks Athletics, JC Sherbert, on my thoughts and questions. Thank you, Gamecock Pastor. But I look, man, Brew McCoy, who cares? <laughs> I would not give a dang about him going anywhere. He's done nothing. He's done nothing. I liked him okay out of high school. I thought he was pretty good. Army All-American game, all that. He's done nothing. Now, maybe he goes to Knoxville and kills it. But the only reason, if you're a Gamecock fan, that should even halfway concern you, is that maybe he puts it together. The, the, the five-star rating, I mean, all right, so, so let's go look. I, I'm going to go see – and let's just see here. And like, you know, one of my friends helps out with the transfer portal ratings for 24 seven. So I don't want to, I don't want to get all over him or anything about this. Cause I, I know he knows what he's doing, but yeah, Brew McCoy is still a four star. I don't understand that. I think it's BS. I just, yeah, I, there's nothing about this kid that's any higher than a two star player right now. Uh, so yeah, I, I just don't know that I would worry about it just to be quite frank. <laughs> I, I just don't, you know, with Brew McCoy specifically, and I got, I love this Andre Turnantine corner they got from Ohio state. I think that's big. I think Wesley Walker, the safety from Georgia tech's good. Jackson Hanna, the linebacker, they added some pieces on their defense. Um, you know, even Gerald Mancy at offensive tackle is a guy to look out for, but man, I just, you know, not, just not buying the Brew McCoy stuff at all. You know, I, I think I think he's got a way – he's got a lot to prove. Now, sometimes guys with a lot to prove go new places and, and get it done. But, I, you know, 
I'm shocked they rated him four stars. My goodness. I mean, uh, you've got Corey Rucker sitting there at an 88. Uh, You know, Wells is the same. And Juice Wells is the same as Brew McCoy. I don't know. I'm looking at it from a Gamecock perspective, though. So uh, it is what it is, and and it really doesn't matter. But, yeah, and look, Pastor, I thought when McCoy committed – I was worried about the fan base. Carolina's going, oh, my God, look at that. And it's just not – it's just not something to be worried about. I mean, the guy's done nothing, nothing. So, we'll see. If he does something at Tennessee, then I will, uh, you know, revamp my uh, opinion. Now, like Joe Milton last year, I he had done nothing. And he ended up being the starter. So, I was like, well, maybe he's coming on, shoot. And then and – then, no, <laughs> he got beat out by Hooker and it saved their season. So we'll see sort of what happened, uh, what happens moving forward. So, I, you know, let's just see what happens with Brew McCoy and all that. But I appreciate certainly your question, Gamecock Pastor, and the kind words uh, about it. Uh, thanks for saying that. I, I, I appreciate that. All right. So inside the Gamecast at gmail.com. Dylan, the title is Daily Gamecock Show. Definitely for all the new show. Definitely all for the new show you may do. Truly enjoyed your takes on Wednesday during JB and Goldwater, especially the Spurrier impression and the fun joking way you were on the show. It made the horrible Atlanta traffic bearable. Man, I'm going to tell you, that, that Atlanta traffic. I've never had to. I was driving from Nashville. Gosh, this is about, oh, five, I guess. God, 17 years ago, man. When I first moved to Nashville to work for Rivals, it was Spurrier's first year at Carolina. You know, I couldn't really be forwardly facing on this because, you know, my job was to cover everybody and cover it fairly and, you know, all that. And I still cover everybody and cover it fairly. I, I, I haven't backed off of that. I no longer consider myself a journalist just because so much of what I do is entertainment. And, uh, and now with Carolina rise and all that, that's, that's completely different. And, you know, and quite frankly, I'm happy. I'm not a journalist anymore, given the, uh, what is in that particular profession right now and, and the, the dishonesty, uh, that is disguised as journalism these days in sports and everything else. Uh, so yeah, you get no credit for me for being a journalist and I'm not, so I'll say that right now, but I was at the time. And a good one, but you know, you, you don't really want everybody to know that you go to watch your alma mater play football every weekend and drive six and a half hours. So I see, I, I secretly kind of snuck to the games right every, every week. Uh, and was driving through Atlanta. I was going to boomerang out I 20, uh, you know, you hit 24 to Chattanooga, 75 to Atlanta, and then you get over to South Carolina quicker sometimes than going through the mountains. It's going to boomerang down 20 uh, over to Columbia. And man, I hit 285 and had to pee. And there was it was it was a parking lot for two hours. I've never had to pee that bad in my life. Finally got on 20, pulled off at like a like a long John Silvers and just ran in there and had to go. I mean, it was it was almost had an accident in the car. And from that point on, and I lived in Atlanta for a couple of years, you know, I, I've absolutely despised. <laughs> the Atlanta traffic. Now, there's places around the country that are 
worse. I think DC's worse. I don't. I don't know that Chicago is. Chicago, especially the Atlanta suburbs, get terrible. Like bad. That, that's what's bad about Atlanta is, but you can be out Gainesville or Gwinnett County somewhere, and it's rush hour and it's bumper to bumper. Uh, the, the Chicago suburbs are actually not bad uh, at, during rush hour, but uh, there are a lot of people. But the traffic flows pretty good. You know, I've been. You know, New Jersey outside of New York City is pretty messed up. Uh, the worst place I've ever driven around is D.C. Uh, it seems, and I don't know that this is truly the case, but it seems like when you get, you're going around the Beltway that the folks from Maryland are going like 90 and the folks from Virginia are going like 50. Uh, and there's construction everywhere. And there's these little tiny roads. I mean, D.C. is probably my least favorite place to drive. You know, L.A., I thought would be a little bit more of a challenge than it was. I spent a week out there. Uh, and have been there several times driving around. And, you know, once I kind of got used to the massive amount of people on the freeway, uh, it just kind of, you just kind of kind of stay in your lane and go. Um, I was fine with LA too. So that's, you know, DC is probably the worst, but Atlanta is probably top five. Uh, and then Nashville, when uh, there's a wreck, because uh, Na- Nashville is not set up, neither does Atlanta really to handle that many, as many people with the growth. So, that's it there. But yeah, thanks. Like I said, as far as the show goes, you know, I'm still kicking around some things, but you know, I, I, I would like to do it. Uh, the question is, can, can I do it? Uh, will it be popular enough for me to do it? Uh, that kind of thing, or, you know, maybe it doesn't need to be something else. Not like a, the same format as JB, you know, I, I'm kicking around all those things right now, but I certainly, I would like to, do it. I think it would be uh, fun, quite frankly. Joseph says, would it be possible to give bonuses for players that are in the top 10 of the conference for major statistical categories, all conference, all American national award winners? I know professional athletes and coaches have certain incentives in their contracts. That's a good question. Um, No. For right now, if you're talking about NIL, you know, you, I guess maybe, you know, that would be pay for play, though. Because, you know, well, that's an interesting question, Joe, because it's like, so if you had an NIL contract where you said, hey, you get more if you do this on the field, that is pay for play. But, but at the same time, would your value uh, NIL-wise not go up? If you were all conference, yes, it would. So that's a very good question. And that would probably come right on up to the line. But, uh, you know, to me, uh, that would be that would be what would be the right thing to do for the game is say, okay, well, you know, if you, if you get an NIL deal as a freshman, here's how this deal could increase based on your performance on the football field. And thus making your value uh, from a promotional aspect, from a content aspect, whatever you're paying for the NIL, uh, the name, image, likeness, you know, that obviously, you know, if you're talking about a business that wants uh, your player to promote their business or product, uh, the more high profile the player is in terms of actual accomplishment on the field, the higher the value. Uh, But at the same time with, the NCA potentially cracking down on the pay for play aspect. You know, I don't know. Hey, you know, could you interpret it that way? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, okay. 
Um, someone did say, and this, they, they sent me an email about the, the time slot, didn't want me to read it. Uh, but he did say something about Cindy Searfoss. <laughs> uh, and uh, thank you for supporting our uh, our sponsors. And, and I'll say that. And I'll read that email later. And that's it for the Saturday Supercade episode uh, of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, Going to be back next week with more Gamecock fun. And hope you enjoyed this Saturday episode. Want to get another one in. Uh, just because we had some mailbag questions that I thought were important. Wanted to talk a little bit about Marcus Satterfield uh, and the quarterback recruiting and basketball and baseball and all that good stuff. Enjoy the baseball game today. Hopefully the Gamecocks uh, can get up off the mat yet a win, uh, yet again, get a couple of wins and come back from College Station in good shape. Uh, you know, 16 to 4 is a pretty big number, but, uh, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know, you know, baseball, and I'm, I'm just kind of superstitious with baseball like this as well, and so is my girlfriend. We, we talk about it all the time. She's a big White Sox fan, and so, like, we'll get to the playoffs or, or a big important series, and, you know, White Sox may win the first game like 11-3, to three, and she's a little nervous because she thinks they've used up all their runs, and, you know, if you think about it in, 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 uh, in actual baseball and trends and things like that. Sometimes you use up all your runs in that first game. <laughs> you have 16 to four, then you lose five to one or two to five to two, something like that the next two. So we'll see uh, what happens later today. I'm JC Sherbert. Appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget the Bigsburg golf tournament. Again, email me inside the game at gmail.com. If you'd like the link to sign up, I tweeted it at the big Spur pod. So it's right there on that Twitter account for you guys to see. Uh, really good calls, uh, fairways for fish, uh, John Whittle from the big spur. Can't say enough good about him as a human being, uh, as a worker and as a person who's organized that very fine event. All right. Talk to you soon. JC Sherbert signing off.